Namaste, dear beautiful hearts. Today is my birthday, and I am so happy to share with you another episode of my podcast on this special day to honor the goddess. I hope that you are feeling irene, healthy, radiant, and rainbowy, and that your spiritual ascension is lifting your hearts, minds, bodies, and souls to the elevated breath of the purest love, light, and universal harmony that I want to share with you in all truth and sincerity. And to encourage you further on this beautiful path, with all the beauty, poetry, love, light, and music in my heart, today I will tell you about Hoya, the Scandinavian goddess of love, beauty, fertility, sex, war, and Sadar. Sadar in Old Norse paganism is a kind of magical gift that was attributed to women primarily and particularly to Freya, considering that she is the major Scandinavian goddess in Old Norse religion or paganism, and Freya later taught Sadar to her husband, the god Odar, another name for the god Odin. Regaining my divine feminine power through Freya's magic, through my memory of love from past incarnations. In Norse paganism, Freya, an old Norse word for the lady, is a goddess associated with love, beauty, fertility, sex, war, and sedar which in Old Norse means magic for seeing and influencing the future. Freya is the owner of the necklace Brissin Gamen. She rides a chariot pulled by two cats. She is accompanied by the boar Hildis Vini and possesses a cloak of falcon feathers by her husband Odar she is the mother of two daughters, Hnos and Gersini. Along with her twin brother, Froyar, her father, Njordar, and her mother, Njordar's sister, unnamed in sources, she is a member of the Vanir. In Norse mythology, the Vanir are a group of gods associated with fertility, wisdom, and the ability to see the future. The Vanir are one of two groups of gods, the other being the Aesir, and are the namesake of the location Vanaheimar, Old Norse for home of the Vanir. After the Aesir-Vanir war, the Vanir became a subgroup of the Aesir. Subsequently, members of the Vanir are sometimes also referred to as members of the Aesir. The Vanir are attested in the poetic Edda, compiled in the 13th century from earlier traditional sources. In the prose Edda and in Himskringla, an Icelandic word for the title of a book containing what is best known of the Old Norse kings' sagas both written in the 13th century by the poet and historian Snorri Sturluson, born around 1178-1179, who passed away in 1241. 
and in the poetry of the skulls. The veneer are only attested in these old Norse sources. All sources describe the god Njordar and his children Froyar and Froya as members of the Vanir. A euhemerized prose account in Himskringla adds that Njordar's sister, whose name is not provided, and Fasir were Vanir. Euhemerism is an approach to the interpretation of mythology in which mythological accounts are presumed to have originated from real historical events or personages. Euhemerism supposes that historical accounts become myths as they are exaggerated in the retelling, accumulating elaborations and alterations that reflect cultural mores. It was named from the Greek mythographer Euhemerus, who lived in the late 4th century BC. In the more recent literature of myth, such as Bullfinch's mythology, Euhemerism is termed the historical theory of mythology. Therefore, Snorri Sturluson proposes that the Norse gods were originally historical leaders and kings. In addition, Himskringla reports a tale involving King Svigtir's visit to Vanaheima, where he meets a woman by the name of Vana, and the two produce a child named Vanlandi, whose name means man from the land of the Vanir. While not attested as Vanir, the gods Heimdallr and Ular have been theorized as potential members of the group. In the prose Edda, a name listed for balls is Van Child. Scholars have theorized that the Vanir may be connected to small pieces of gold foil found in Scandinavia at some building sites from the migration period to the Viking Age and occasionally in graves. They have speculated whether the Vanir originally represented pre-Indo-European deities or Indo-European fertility gods and have theorized a form of the gods as venerated by the pagan Anglo-Saxons. Numerous theories have been proposed for the etymology of Vanir. Scholar R.I. Page says that, while there is no shortage of etymologies for the word, it is tempting to link the word with Old Norse Vina, friend, and Latin Venus, goddess of physical love. Vanir is sometimes anglicized to Wanes, singular Wayne. Freya rules over her heavenly field, Folk Vangar where she receives half of those who die in a battle. The other half go to the god Odin's hall, Valhalla. Within Folkvanga lies her home, says Rumnir. Freya assists other deities by allowing them to use her feathered cloak. She is invoked in matters of fertility and love, and is frequently sought after by powerful Jotnar, who wish to make her their wife. Freya's husband, the god Odar, is frequently absent. 
like the Egyptian goddess Isis and the Greek Aphrodite, Freya traveled through the underworld seeking a lost husband, weeping tears of gold for him, and searches for him under different names, including Gethen, Horn, Mardol, Seer, Vanadis, and Valfroya. Freya is attested in the poetic Edda, compiled in the 13th century from earlier traditional sources in the Prose Edda and Himskringla, composed by Snorri Sturluson in the 13th century. In several sagas of Icelanders, in the poetry of skalds, and into the modern age in Scandinavian folklore. Scholars have debated whether Freya and the goddess Frigg ultimately stem from a single goddess common among the Germanic peoples. They have connected her to the Valkyries, female battlefield choosers of the slain, and analyzed her relation to other goddesses and figures in Germanic mythology, including the thrice-burnt and thrice-reborn Bulvig Heidar, the goddesses Gefjon, Skati, Thor Gerdar, Holgabrudar, and Irpa, Menglot, and the 1st century CE Isis of the Suebi. In Scandinavia, Freya's name frequently appears in the names of plants, especially in southern Sweden. Various plants in Scandinavia once bore her name, but it was replaced with the name of the Virgin Mary during the process of Christianization. Rural Scandinavians continued to acknowledge Freya as a supernatural figure into the 19th century, and Freya has inspired various works of art. The name Freya means lady or mistress in Old Norse, stemming from the Proto-Germanic feminine noun Frauion, meaning lady or mistress. It is cognate with Old Saxon Frua, lady, mistress, or Old High German Frua, lady. In modern German, it is Frau. It is linked to the word Friday as the day of Freya, and Freya is also etymologically close to the name of the god Freya, who is her twin brother and whose name means Lord in Old Norse. In addition to calling her Freya, Old Norse sources refer to the goddess by seven other names. The name Gef meaning the giver, attestations Gilfa Ginning and Nafna Tulu. The name Gefen likely means she who gives prosperity or happiness, and is generally considered connected to the goddess name Gefion. But the etymology of the name Gefion has been a matter of dispute. The root Gef in Gefion is generally theorized as related to the root Geth in the name Gethen. The connection between the two names has resulted in etymological results of Gethion, meaning the giving one. The names Gethion and Gethen are both related to the Alagabiae or 
Ologa Biae Matron Groups. The Matron Groups are Matres, Latin for Mothers, and Matronae, Latin for Matrons, were female deities venerated in northwestern Europe, of whom relics are found dating from the 1st to the 5th century AD. They are depicted on votive offerings and altars that bear images of goddesses depicted almost entirely in groups of three, that feature inscriptions about half of which feature continental Celtic names and half of which feature Germanic names, and were venerated in regions of Germania, eastern Gaul and northern Italy, with a small distribution elsewhere, that were occupied by the Roman army from the 1st to the 5th century. Matres also appear on votive reliefs and inscriptions in other areas occupied by Roman army, including southeast Gaul, as at Vertilu, a Gallo-Roman site in the modern commune of Berto in the Côte d'Or department of eastern France, in Spain and Portugal, where some 20 inscriptions are known, among them several ones which include local epithets, like a dedication to the Matribus Galaisis, the Galician mothers, and also in the Romano-Celtic culture of Pannonia. Pannonia was a province of the Roman Empire, bounded on the north and east by the Danube, Coteminus westward with Noricum and Upper Italy, and southward with Dalmatia and Upper Moesia. Pannonia was located in the territory of present-day Western Hungary, Western Slovakia, Eastern Austria, Northern Croatia, Northwestern Serbia, Northern Slovenia, and Northern Bosnia and Herzegovina. In Pannonia, the inscriptions to the matres are in the form of similar reliefs to the Nutrices Augustae, the August Nurses. Scholar Richard North theorizes that Old English Geophon and Old Norse Gefun and Freya's name Gefen may all descend from a common origin, Gavia, a Germanic goddess connected with the sea whose name means giving. Freya is also referred to by the name Horn, meaning flaxen, attestations Gilfa Ginning and Nafna Tulur. This name appears in the Swedish place names Harnosand, Harnevi and Jarnevi, stemming from the reconstructed Old Norse place name Hornarve, meaning Hornsve. Flax, also known as common flax or linseed, is a flowering plant, Linum usitatissimum, in the family Linaceae. It is cultivated as a food and fiber crop in regions of the world with temperate climates. Textiles made from flax are known in western countries as linen and are traditionally used for bed sheets, underclothes, and table linen. Its oil is known as linseed oil. In addition to referring to the plant, the word flax may refer to the unspun fibers of the flax plant. 
The plant species is known only as a cultivated plant and appears to have been domesticated just once from the wild species Linum liene, called pale flax. The plant's flax in New Zealand are by contrast members of the genus Formium. Flax is grown for its seeds, which can be ground into a meal or turned into linseed oil, a product used as a nutritional supplement and as an ingredient in many wood finishing products. Flax is also grown as an ornamental plant in gardens. Moreover, flax fibers are used to make linen. The specific epithet in its species name, Usitatissimum, means most useful. Flax fibers taken from the stem of the plant are two to three times as strong as cotton fibers. Additionally, flax fibers are naturally smooth and straight. Europe and North America both depended on flax for plant-based cloth until the 19th century, when cotton overtook flax as the most common plant for making rag-based paper. Flax is grown on the Canadian prairies for linseed oil, which is used as a drying oil in paints and varnishes and in products such as linoleum and printing inks. Linseed meal, the byproduct of producing linseed oil from flax seeds, is used as livestock fodder. Froya is also referred to by the name Mardon, meaning potentially sea brightener, by way of Mar, meaning the sea, combined with a second element that may be related to Delingar, indicating light. The name may otherwise mean the one who makes the sea swell, attestations Gilfagiling and Nafnatulu. It may also be connected to the god name Heimdala. Heimdal or Heimdaller is a god who keeps watch for invaders and the onset of Ragnarok from his dwelling Himinbjorg, where the burning rainbow bridge Bifrost or Bilrost meets the sky. He is attested as possessing foreknowledge and keen senses, particularly eyesight and hearing. Froya is also referred to by the name Skjalf, meaning shaker, attestations Nafna Tulur. It is also the name of the daughter of a Finnish king in Inglinga saga. Due to necklace imagery in the Finnish Skjalf tale, Froya herself owns Brissingamel. A connection between the two names may exist. Froya is also referred to by the name Sir, meaning soul, attestations Gilfagining, Salskaparma, Nafnatulur. The pig was an important symbol of the Vanir and sacrificial practices in Old Norse blood, associated with the group, particularly in association with Froya and her brother Froyar. Blood in Old Norse or Geblot in Old English are terms for blood sacrifice in Norse paganism and Anglo-Saxon paganism respectively. 
A comparison can also be reconstructed for wider Germanic paganism. A blot could be dedicated to any of the Germanic gods, the spirits of the land, and to ancestors. The sacrifice involved aspects of a sacramental meal or feast. The verb blota meant to worship with a blood sacrifice or to strengthen. The written sources and the archaeological record indicate that in Old Norse religious practice, the sacrifice of animals, particularly pigs and horses, played a significant part in the blood. More than just a simple sacrifice, the blood was central to all the ritual activities that took place in Norse sacral structures. Closer in conception to a gift, the blood usually involved killing animals and sometimes humans, in ritual fashion with their blood being poured into bowls or onto stones. Twigs were dipped into the liquid and shaken, throwing a spray onto the onlookers and the buildings. At the temple hall of Hofstadir in northern Iceland, oxen were decapitated in seasonal rituals for many years. Osteological analysis of the bones shows that the animals were killed with blows to the neck by axe or sword. This method was intended to produce the spectacle of a shower of arterial blood. The ritual killing of animals was followed by feasts on the meat, as described in the Eddic and Skaldic poetry, the Icelandic sagas and on rune stones. The meat was boiled in large cooking pits with heated stones, either indoors or outdoors, and ale or meat was drunk in the ceremony. Hoya is also referred to by the name Throng, meaning Throng, attestation Salska Parnal. She is also referred to by the name Throngva, also meaning Throng, attestations Nafna Tulur. Hoya is also referred to by the name Val Hoya, meaning Hoya of the Slain, Lady of the Slain, attestations Njalv Saga. This form occurs in a canning in poetry contained in Njalv's Saga, Valfhoya Staffar, Valfhoya's Staff, Lady of the Slain's Staff, and or Fhoya of the Slain's Staff. And lastly, she is also referred to by the name Vanadis, meaning the Dis of the Vanir, attestations Salskaparma. The name Van Child, child of the Vanir, for born, may be connected. In Norse mythology, a Dis, Old Norse for lady, plural Disir, is a female deity, ghost or spirit associated with fate, who can be either benevolent or antagonistic toward mortals. Disir may act as protective spirits of Norse clans. It is possible that their original function was that of fertility goddesses, 
who were the object of both private and official worship called disablot and their veneration may derive from the worship of the spirits of the dead the disir like the valkyries nones and vaitir almost always are referred to collectively in surviving references the north germanic disir and west germanic idisi are believed by some scholars to be related due to linguistic and mythological similarities but the direct evidence of anglo-saxon and continental german mythology is limited the disir play roles in north texts that resemble those of filgur valkyries and nones so that some have suggested that disir is a broad term including the other beings in the poetic edda freya is mentioned or appears in the poems voluspa grimnisma lokasena trimskvida odrunar gratar and hindnul yod freya appears in the prose edda books Gilfaginning and Salska Parman. The Himskringla book Inglinga Saga provides a humorized account of the origin of the gods, including Freya. Himskringla is an Icelandic word and the title of a book containing what is best known of the Old Norse kings' sagas. It was written in Old Norse circa 1230. In Iceland by the poet and historian Snorri Sturluson the name Himskringla was first used in the 17th century it is derived from the first two words of the first saga in the compilation Inglinga saga and are the two words Kringla and Himsins meaning the orb of the earth also named the circle of the world Himskringla is a collection of sagas about Swedish and Norwegian kings beginning with the saga of the legendary Swedish dynasty of the Inglings followed by accounts of historical Norwegian rulers from Harald Fairhair of the 9th century up to the death of the pretender Hæstin Mæla in 1177 the exact sources of Snorri's work are disputed but they include earlier kings sagas such as Markinskina, Fagarskina and the 12th century Norwegian synoptic histories and oral traditions notably many skaldic poems he explicitly names the now lost work Hrygjarstiki as his source for the events of the mid 12th century Although Story used these and other materials collected during his trips to Norway and Sweden, he composed the sagas himself. Himskringla consists of several sagas, often thought of as falling into three groups, giving the overall work the character of a triptych. The saga narrates the contests of the kings, the establishment of the kingdom of Norway, Norse expeditions to various European countries and to an expedition in Palestine.
In the saga of Sigurd the Crusader, the stories are told with energy, giving a picture of human life in all its dimensions. The saga is a prose epic relevant to the history of not only Scandinavia, but the regions included in the wider medieval Scandinavian diaspora. The first part of the Himskringla is rooted in North mythology. As the collection proceeds, fable and fact intermingle, but the accounts become increasingly historically reliable. The first saga tells of the mythological prehistory of the Swedish and Norwegian royal dynasty, the Inglings, tracing their lineage to Froyar, Ingve of the Vanaland people, who arrived in Scandinavia with Odin from the legendary Asgard. The subsequent sagas are, with few exceptions, devoted to individual rulers, starting with Halfdan the Black, called thus for his black hair. A version of Olaf's saga, Helga, about the Saint Olaf II of Norway, is the main and central part of the collection. Olaf's 15-year-long reign takes up about one-third of the entire work. Thereafter, the saga of Harald Hardrada narrates Harald's expedition to the east, his brilliant exploits in Constantinople, Syria and Sicily, his scaldic accomplishments and his battles in England against Harold Godwinson, the son of Godwin, Earl of Wessex, where he fell at the Battle of Stamford Bridge in 1066, only a few days before Harold fell at the Battle of Hastings. After presenting a series of other kinds, the saga ends with Magnus V of Norway. In chapter 4 of Himskringla, Froya is introduced as a member of the Vanir, the sister of Froyar, and the daughter of Njordar and his sister. After the Aesir Vanir war ends in a stalemate, Odin appoints Froyar and Njordar as priests over sacrifices. Froya becomes the priestess of sacrificial offerings and it was she who introduced the practice of Seydar to the Aesir, previously only practiced by the Vanir. In chapter 10, Froya's brother Froyar dies, and Froya is the last survivor among the Aesir and Vanir. Froya keeps up the sacrifices and becomes famous. The saga explains that due to Froya's fame, all women of rank become known by her name, Fruvar, ladies. A woman who is the mistress of her property is referred to as Froya, and who's Froya, lady of the house, for a woman who owns an estate. The chapter adds that not only was Froya very clever, but that she and her husband Oda had two immensely beautiful daughters, Gersini and Honos, who gave their names to our most precious possessions. 
Hymskringla contains the following sagas. 1. Inglinga Saga 2. Saga of Half Danar Svarti, meaning the black 3. Saga of Haraldar Harfagi, meaning fine hair, who died circa 931 4. Saga of Hakon Gobi, the good, who died in 961 5. Saga of King Haraldar Grafeldar, grey cloak who died in 969, 6. Saga of King Olafar Trigvasan, who died in 1000, 7. Saga of King Olafar Haraldsson, who died in 1030, 8. Saga of Magnus Gobi, the Good, who died in 1047, 9. Saga of Haraldar Hardradi, meaning Har Ruler, who died in 1066, 10. Saga of Olafar Haraldsson Kiri, the gentle, who died in 1093. 11. Saga of Magnus Berfotar, barefoot, who died in 1103. 12. Saga of Siurdar Yor Salafari, Jerusalem traveler, who died in 1130. 13. Saga of Magnus Blindi, the blind, dethroned in 1135, and of Haraldar Gili, who died in 1136. 14. Saga of Siurdar, who died in 1155. Einstein, who died in 1157. And Ingi, who died in 1161, the sons of Haraldar. 15. Saga of Hakon Herdi Brids, the broad shouldered, who died in 1162 and lastly 16 saga of magnus herlingson who died in 1184 Freya is also mentioned in the sagas Egil's saga on the lives of the clan of Egil Skala Grimson an Icelandic farmer viking and scout the saga spans the years circa 1850 to 1000 and traces the family history from Egil's grandfather to his offspring. In Njal's saga, or the story of Burnt Njal, a 13th century Icelandic saga that describes events between 960 and 1020, the saga deals with the process of blood feuds in the Icelandic Commonwealth, showing how the requirements of honor could lead to minor slights spiraling into destructive and prolonged bloodshed. Insults, where a character's manhood is called into question, are especially prominent and may reflect an author critical of an overly restrictive ideal of masculinity. Another characteristic of the narrative is the presence of omens and prophetic dreams. It is disputed whether this reflects a fatalistic outlook on the part of the author. The principal characters in the saga are the friends Njal Torgerson, a lawyer and a sage, and Gunnar Hamundarson, a formidable warrior. Gunnar's wife, 
instigate a feud that leads to the death of many characters over several decades, including the killing by fire of the eponymous Burnt Miao. The work is anonymous, although there has been extensive speculation on the author's identity. The major events described in the saga are probably historical, but the material was shaped by the author, drawing on oral tradition according to his artistic needs. Nyal's saga is the longest and most highly developed of the sagas of Icelanders. It is often considered the peak of the saga tradition. Freya is also mentioned in Half's saga or Halfskreka, the saga of Half and his heroes, or Half's saga is a legendary saga composed in the early 14th century based on a legend that has also been preserved in the Scandinavian medieval ballad Stolt Herr Alf. It is about Halafar Protonos, Hatu Molafar, meaning battle wolf, who was one of Norway's most famous legendary sea kings. His champions had to submit to harsh rules. When Half had spent 18 years of free booting, he returned to Hordaland, where Half's stepfather, Asmund, had ruled in his stead. Asmund invited Halafar and half of his warband to a banquet and swore Halafar his loyalty. However, Asmund put them to the sword and burnt them to death inside his hall. Only two warriors survived and managed to escape. Utsten and Hrok the Black Utsten and Hrok united with Solve of Njarde and they avenged half and the slain warriors. Then they appointed Half's son, Fjord, to be the king of Hordaland. It is known for its great diversity in content, ranging from folklore to heroic poetry. Some of the poetry is of considerable age, suggesting a long time of oral transmission prior to its being put to paper. One of his champions is also mentioned in Hindlul Yod. Freya in post-Christianization and Scandinavian folklore Although the Christianization of Scandinavia sought to demonize the native gods, belief and reverence in them, including in Freya, survived and remained relevant during the modern era, creating this unique and wonderful, poetic, colorful and so resilient, pure, elemental energy that characterizes Scandinavian folklore in my heart and in my mind. Brit Marie Nostrum comments that Freya became a particular target under Christianization. Freya's erotic qualities became an easy target for the new religion, in which an asexual virgin was the ideal woman. Freya is called a whore and a harlot. By the quote-unquote holy men and missionaries, whereas many of her functions in the everyday lives of men and women, such as protecting nature and providing healing, 
through nature and supplying assistance in childbirth were transferred to the Virgin Mary. However, Freya did not disappear. In Iceland, Freya was called upon for assistance by way of Icelandic magical staves as late as the 18th century and as late as the 19th century, Freya is recorded as retaining elements of her role as a fertility goddess among rural Swedes. The Old Norse poem Tringsvida, or its source, continued into Scandinavian folk song tradition where it was euhemerized and otherwise transformed over time. In Iceland, the poem became known as Trilur, in Denmark as Torraf Havsgar, and in Sweden it became Torvisan or Hamaramkningen. A section of the Swedish Torvisan in which Freya has been transformed into the fair, then Vana, Freyanborg, reads as follows in Swedish. Det var den Vana, Freyanborg. Hon tog sailla vid sin. Det sprang av vart finger blodet ut. Och ran i jorden ner. Brit Marie Nastrum's translation It was the fair Freudenborg. She was so upset over Thor's demand. Her blood burst from each of her fingers and ran down into the ground. In the province of Smaland, in Sweden, an account is recorded connecting Freya with lightning in this respect. Writer Johann Alfred Goff recalled the Sunday in 1880 where men were walking in fields and looking at nearly ripened rye, where Mans in Karid said, Now Freya is out watching if the rye is ripe. Along with this, Goff recalls another mention of Freya in the countryside. When as a boy I was visiting the old, proud Katrina, I was afraid of lightning like all boys in those days. When the sheet lightning flared at the night, Katrina said, Don't be afraid, little child. It is only Freya who is out making fire with steel and flint stone to see if the rye is ripe. She is kind to people, and she is only doing it to be of service. She is not like Thor. He slays both people and livestock when he is in the mood. I later heard several old folks talk of the same thing in the same way. In Varend, Sweden, Freya could also arrive at Christmas night and she used to shake the apple trees for the sake of a good harvest and consequently people left some apples in the trees for her sake. However, it was dangerous to leave the plough outdoors because if Freya sat on it, it would no longer be of any use. Several plants were named after Freya, such as Freya's tears and Freya's hair, Polygala vulgaris. But during the process of Christianization, 
the name of the goddess was replaced with that of the Virgin Mary. In the pre-Christian period, the Orion constellation was called either Frigg's distaff or Freya's distaff, Swedish Freyerok. Place names in Norway and Sweden reflect devotion to the goddess, including the Norwegian place name Froyhov, originally Froyuhov, literally Froyarshof, and Swedish place names such as Frovi from Froyuve, literally Froyarsve. In a survey of toponyms in Norway, M. Olsen tallies at least 20 to 30 location names compounded with Froya. Three of these place names appear to derive from Froyuhof, Froyashof, whereas the goddess name is frequently otherwise compounded with words for meadow such as tweet, land, and similar land formations. These toponyms are attested most commonly on the west coast, though a high frequency is found in the southeast. Place names containing Froya are yet more numerous and varied in Sweden, where they are widely distributed. A particular concentration is recorded in Upland, among which a number derived from the above-mentioned Froyuve and also Froyulundar. Froya's sacred grove. Place names that indicate public worship of Froya. A variety of place names such as Froal and Froale have been seen as containing an element cognate to Gothic house and Old English ill temple. Although these place names may be otherwise interpreted, in addition, Froya appears as a compound element with a variety of words for geographic features such as fields, meadows, lakes, and natural objects such as rocks. The variant of Froya's name, Horn, appears in the Swedish place names Harnevi and Jarnevi, stemming from the reconstructed Old Norse place name Hornarve, meaning Hornsve. In Germanic paganism, a veil is a type of shrine, sacred enclosure, or other place with religious significance. The term appears in skaldic poetry and in place names in Scandinavia, with the exception of Iceland, often in connection with an old Norse deity or a geographic feature. Ve derives from a common Germanic word meaning sacred or holy. CF in Gothic, vice, holy, in Old English, veo, vig, idol, in German, weihan, consecrate, sanctify, in German, Weihnachten, Christmas. It shares etymology with the phrase Thor Vigi, may Thor hallow or may Thor protect found on the Canterbury charm, Glavendrup stone, Sonder Kinkby runestone, Velanda runestone, and Viring runestone. 
The name of the Norse god Ve also shares this etymology. An alternative word for sanctuary is Als, Gothic Als, Runic Norse Al, Old High German Ala, Anglo-Saxon Il. Froya in archaeological record and historic depictions. A priestess was buried circa 1000 with considerable splendor in Hagebjuga in Ostergotland. In addition to being buried with her wand, she had received great riches which included horses, a wagon and an Arabian bronze pitcher. There was also a silver pendant which represents a woman with a broad necklace around her neck. This kind of necklace was only worn by the most prominent women during the Iron Age, and some have interpreted it as Freya's necklace, Grisingamen. The pendant may represent Freya herself. A 7th century Talara. A Talara was a sculpted disc usually made of gold, silver, bronze, or glass, and worn on the breastplate during parades by Roman soldiers who had been awarded it as a kind of medal. Roman military units could also be awarded talerae for distinguished conduct in action. Found in a warrior grave in what is now Eschwege in northwestern Germany, features a female figure with two large braids flanked by two cat-like beings and holding a staff-like object. This figure has been interpreted as Freya. This image may be connected to various B-type bracteates, referred to as the Furstenberg type, that may also depict the goddess. They show a female figure in a short skirt and double-looked hair, holding a stave or scepter in her right hand and double-cross feature in the left. A 12th century depiction of a cloaked but otherwise nude woman riding a large cat appears on a wall in the Schleswig Cathedral in Schleswig-Holstein, northern Germany. Beside her is similarly a clocked yet otherwise nude woman riding a distaff. Due to iconographic similarities to the literary record, these figures have been theorized as depictions of Freya and Frigg, respectively. Freya as receiver of the slain. Freya and her afterlife film, Frog Vanga, where she receives half of the slain, have been theorized as connected to the Valkyries. Scholar Brit Marie Nastru points out the description in Gilfaginning, where it is said of Freya that whenever she rides into battle, she takes half of the slain and interprets Folvanga as the field of the warriors. Nastrum notes that, just like Odin, Freya receives slain heroes who have died on the battlefield and that her house is Sesrumnir, which she translates as filled with many seeds. A dwelling that Nastrum posits likely fills the same function as Valhalla. Nastrum comments that Still, we must ask why there are two heroic paradises in the Old Norse view of afterlife. It might possibly be a consequence of different forms of initiation of warriors. 
where one part seemed to have belonged to Odin and the other to Freya. These examples indicate that Freya was a war goddess, and she even appears as a Valkyrie, literally the one who chooses the slain. Siegfried Andres Dobat comments that in her mythological role as the chooser of half the fallen warriors for her afterlife realm, Folk Vanguard, the goddess Freya, however, emerges as the mythological role model for the Valkyria and the Dissir. Freya and Frigg Due to numerous similarities, Scholars have frequently connected Freya with the goddess Frigg, wondering if within some traditions of North myth they might have been one goddess at one time. Like the name of the group of gods to which Freya belongs, the Vanir, the name Freya is not attested outside of Scandinavia, as opposed to the name of the goddess Frigg, who is attested as a goddess common among the Germanic peoples and whose name from the Old Norse is reconstructed as Proto-Germanic Frio. Frigg in Old English and in Old Saxon is called Friu. The Indo-European root of the word Frigg means love. It is present in the words friend, literally meaning the loving one. In the Old Norse verb Frion, meaning to love, in the Sanskrit word Priya, meaning beloved. Freya's name, on the other hand, isn't a name, but a title, which means lady. Like Freya, her brother's name means lord. The word Freya comes from the Proto-Germanic word Frauio, which became the modern German word Frau, meaning Mrs or women, and Freya is the Norse goddess of love. One explanation from Dr. Jackson Crawford, the director of Nordic studies at the University of Colorado Boulder, is that Freya could be the title of the goddess of love and Frigg her name, and that eventually the two names were split to become those of two different goddesses. Also, Frigg is said to be married to the god Odin, while Freya is married to the god Odar. Odar, among many other names, is another name for the god Odin. Freya and Sedar In Old Norse, Sedar is a type of magic which was practiced in Norse society during the late Scandinavian Iron Age. The practice of Sedar is believed to be a form of magic which is related to both the telling and the shaping of the future. Connected to the Old Norse religion, its origins are largely unknown, and the practice of it gradually declined after the Christianization of Scandinavia. Accounts of Sedar later made it into sagas and other literary sources, while further evidence of it has been unearthed by archaeologists. Various scholars have debated the nature of Sedar. Some of them have argued that it was shamanic in context, involving visionary journeys by its practitioners. Sedar practitioners were of both sexes. 
Although it appears that practicing it was considered a feminine trait, with sorceresses being variously known as Volur, Seid Konur, and Visenda Kola. There were also accounts of male practitioners who were known as Seid men. But by practicing magic, they brought a social taboo which was known as an ergi upon themselves, and they were sometimes persecuted as a result. In many cases, these magical practitioners would have had assistants to aid them in their rituals. In pre-Christian North mythology, Seda was associated with both the god Odin, a deity who was simultaneously responsible for war, poetry and sorcery, and his wife, the goddess Freya, who was believed to have taught the practice to the Aesir. In the 20th century, adherents of various modern pagan new religious movements adopted forms of magical religious practice, which include Seydar. The practices of these contemporary Seydar workers have since been investigated by various academic researchers who are operating in the field of pagan studies. Terminology and Etymology Seydar is believed to come from Proto-Germanic Seydas, cognate with Lithuanian Seytas, Thai, Tether, and Proto-Celtic Soito, sorcery, giving the Welsh and Breton words hood, meaning magic, all derived from Proto-Indo-European Soito, string, rope, ultimately from the Proto-Indo-European root Setui, to bind. Related words in Old High German, like the German word Seid, used both in string instruments and in bows, and Old English referred to cord, string, or snare, cord, halter, and there is a line in verse 15 of the Skaldic poem Ragnar's Drap that uses Seydar in that sense. However, it is not clear how this derivation relates to the practice of Seydar. It has been suggested that the use of a cord in attraction may be related to Seydar, where attraction is one element of the practice of Seydar magic described in Norse literature and with witchcraft in Scandinavian folklore. However, if Seydar involved spinning charms, that would explain the distaff, a tool used in spinning flax or sometimes wool, that appears to be associated with Seydar practice. In any case, the string relates to the threads of fate, that the near spin, measure, and cut. Old English terms cognate with Seydar are Sidon and Sidsa, both of which are attested only in contexts that suggest that they were used by elves. Elfa. These seem likely to have meant something similar to Seydar. Among the Old English words for practitioners of magic are Wicca, masculine or Wicca, feminine. The etymons of modern English, which 
Seidar in Old Norse literature. In the Viking age, the practice of Seidar by men had connotations of unmanliness or effeminacy known as ergi, as its manipulative aspects ran counter to masculine ideal of forthright, open behavior. Freya and perhaps some of the other goddesses of Norse mythology were Seidar practitioners, as was Odin, a fact for which he is taunted by Loki in the Lokasena. Seidar in the Sagas The Saga of Eric the Red In the 13th century saga of Eric the Red, there was a Seidkona or Volva in Greenland named Thor Björg, protected by Thor. She wore a blue cloak and a headpiece of black lamb trimmed with white ermine, carried the symbolic distaff, Seid Staffar, which was buried with her and would sit on a high platform, as related in the saga. Now, when she came in the evening, accompanied by the man who had been sent to meet her, she was dressed in such wise that she had a blue mantle over her, with strings for the neck, and it was inlaid with gems quite down to the skirt. On her neck she had glass beads, on her head she had a black hood of lambskin, lined with ermine, a staff she had in her hand, with a knob thereon. It was ornamented with brass and inlaid with gems round about the knob. Around her she wore a girdle of soft hair or belt of touch wool, and therein was a large skin bag in which she kept the talismans needful to her in her wisdom. She wore hairy calfskin shoes on her feet with long and strong-looking thongs to them, and great knobs of latten at the ends. On her hands she had gloves of ermine skin, and they were white and hairy within. Seidar in other sagas As described by Snorri Sturluson in his Inglinga saga, Seidar includes both divination and manipulative magic. It seems likely that the type of divination of Seidar practitioners was generally distinct, by dint of an altogether more metaphysical nature, from the day-to-day -day auguries performed by the seers. However, in chapter 44 of the Icelandic saga Vatenstaela saga, Thordis Spakona loans someone her black cloak and stick, Staff's Protan, for magic. The stick is used to strike a man three times on his left cheek to make him forget and three times on his right cheek to make him remember. Seidar's Practices Price noted that because of its connection with Ergi, Seda was undoubtedly located on one of society's moral and psychological borders. Seda involved the incantation of spells, ko, galdrar, and the verb to sing is galdar. Ergi, the noun, and argar, the adjective, are two Old Norse terms of insult 
denoting effeminacy or other unmanly behavior. Argar, also ragar, is unmanly, and erki is unmanliness. The terms have cognates in other Germanic languages. Ergi in the Viking Age. To accuse another man of being argar was called scolding, and thus a legal reason to challenge the accuser in Holmgang. If Holmgang was refused by the accused, he could be outlawed, full outlawry, as this refusal proved that the accuser was right and the accused was argar. If the accused fought successfully in Holmgang and had thus proven that he was not argar, the scolding was considered what was in Old English called Irkan, an unjustified severe defamation, and the accuser had to pay the offended party full compensation. The Grey Goose Laws, a collection of laws from the Icelandic Commonwealth period, states there are three words. Should exchanges between people ever reach such dire limits, which all have full outlawry as the penalty? If a man calls another ragar, strodin, or sordin, as they are to be prosecuted like other full sword, and what is more, a man has the right to kill in retaliation for these three words. He has the right to kill in retaliation on their account over the same period as he has the right to kill on account of women, in both cases up the next general assembly. The man who utters these words falls with forfeit immunity at the hands of anyone who accompanies the men about whom they were uttered to the place of their encounter. The practice of seda or sorcery was considered ergi in the Viking Age, and in Icelandic accounts and medieval Scandinavian laws, the term argar had connotations of a receptive, passive role of a freeborn man during homosexual intercourse. There are no written records of how the northern people thought of homosexuality before this conversion. Seda practitioners may have been religious leaders of the Viking community and usually required the help of other practitioners to invoke their deities, gods, or spirits. As they are described in a number of other Scandinavian sagas, Saga of Eric the Red in particular, the practitioners connected with the spiritual realm through chanting and prayer. Viking texts suggest that the Sadar ritual was used in times of inherent crisis as a tool for seeing into the future and for cursing and hexing one's enemies. With that said, it could have been used for great good or vengeful destruction as well as for daily guidance. One author, Neil Price, argues that it was very likely that some parts of the practice involved sexual acts. Scholars have highlighted that the staffs have phallic epithets in various Icelandic sagas. Mythology Froya and Seydar 
The Norse goddess Freya is associated with Seda in the surviving literature. In the Inglinga saga, circa 1225, it is stated that Seda had originally been a practice among the Vanir, and that Freya, who was herself a member of the Vanir, had introduced it to the Aesir when she joined them. Therefore, in my opinion, Seda was introduced into Scandinavian Fjolkingi, meaning magical law, by a woman, a Fjolkuning, which is a synonym of Volva, meaning a seeress or wizardess, and an adjective that means magically knowledgeable, while the word Gidea means both goddess and priestess. Hence, the pejorative use of the word ergi and adjective argar when men practiced it to denote that these men were effeminate, sexually passive or homosexuals even, because seda was a feminine art. I understand from experience that women have a sensibility that is very different than men in their link to an understanding of universal consciousness. And it is the reason why Seda was inspired to Freya and not to Odin in the first place, because she was attuned to the natural world, more humble also, I believe, before the powers of nature. The word Orlog means fate, as seen in the poem Voluspa, in English the prophecy of the Volva. However, no matter how the divinations of the Volva with the use of Seda are relevant in Scandinavian Fjolkingi, Orlog, or fate, is always absolutely more prominent in the Scandinavian conception of the universe. Freya is identified in Inglinga saga as an adept of the mysteries of Seda, and it is said that it was she who taught it to Odin. Seda and gender roles in Norse society. Strength and courage are traditionally manly qualities that were highly valued in old Norse societies. This is exemplified in the attitudes surrounding Seda and its place as a feminine craft. A woman practicing Seda would sometimes be called Volva, meaning seeress. She would also sometimes be described as Spakona or Seid Kona, meaning prophecy woman and magic woman, respectively. Because Seda was viewed as a feminine practice, therefore, any man who engaged in it, Seid Mada, was associated with Ergi. However, sometimes, female practitioners of the craft would take on young male apprentices, and those who became mothers would teach the practice to their sons. Though not seen as a respectable thing, it was not rare for men to be involved in Seda magic. Contemporary Paganism Contemporary Paganism, also referred to as Neo-Paganism, is an umbrella term used to identify a wide variety of new religious movements, particularly those influenced by the various pagan beliefs of pre-modern Europe. Several of these contemporary pagan religions draw specifically on the original medieval religious beliefs 
and practices of Anglo-Saxon England as sources of inspiration, adopting such Anglo-Saxon deities as their own. Seydar is also understood as an intrinsic part of spiritual practice, connecting practitioners to the wider cosmology in British and Germanic neo-paganism. Galdar magic Galdar, plural Galdrar, is an Old Norse word for spell or incantation. These were usually performed in combination with certain rites. It was mastered by both women and men. Some scholars have assumed they chanted it in falsetto, gala. Etymology The Old Norse word gala is derived from a word for singing incantations, gala, Old High German and Old English galan, with an Indo-European tro suffix. In Old High German, the stro suffix produced galstern instead. The Old English forms were galdon, meaning spell, enchantment, witchcraft, and the verb galan, which meant to sing, to chant. It is contained in Nightingale, related to yelan, the verb ancestral to modern English, to yell. Compare also the Icelandic verb ad gala to sing, call out, to yell, and Dutch gillen to yell, to scream. The German forms were Old High German galstar and Middle High German galstar, song, enchantment, surviving in modern German galsterai and galsterwei, meaning witchcraft and witch, respectively. Galda practice. Some incantations were composed in a special meter named Gald Ralag. This meter was similar to the six-lined Lyoda Hatar, also used for ritual. Diverse runic inscriptions suggest informal impromptu methods. Another characteristic is a performed parallelism, like in Skirnismal. A practical galda for women was one that made childbirth easier, but they were also notably used for bringing madness onto another person. Whence modern Swedish galen meaning mad, derived from the verb gala to sing, perform galda. Moreover, a master of the craft was also said to be able to raise storms, make distant ships sink, make swords blunt, make armor soft, and decide victory or defeat in battles. Examples of this can be found in Grogaldar and in Hrithios Saga. In Grogaldar, Groa chants nine, a significant number in North mythology related to the god Odin. Galdrar to aid her son, and in Bösluboen, the schemes of King Ring of Ostergotland are averted. In modern times, Freya is mentioned in the first stanza, it is called Old Denmark, and it is Freya's home, of the civil national anthem of Denmark, Der er et 
Inlicht Land, written by 19th century Danish poet Adam Gottlob Olenschlager in 1819. In addition, Olenschlager wrote a comedy entitled Freya's Altar in 1818 and a poem Freya's Saal, meaning Freya's Hall in English. Many Asatru practitioners today mostly honor Freya as a goddess of fertility, abundance, and beauty. Asatru literally means faith in the Aesir Norse gods. Tru means faith, and Asa means of the Aesir in the Icelandic Norse language. A common rite for modern Freya worshippers is to bake foods that have some connection to love in one way or another, such as chocolate. Freya is also called upon for protection in relations to domestic violence situations, for example. It is good to pray to Freya for protection in love and family matters as well. Asatru, commonly called Heaven Ring, Heathenism, contemporary Germanic paganism or Germanic neo-paganism, is a modern pagan religion originating in the faith in Norse gods. Scholars of religious studies classify it as a new religious movement. Developed in Europe during the early 20th century, its practitioners model it on the pre-Christian religions adhered to by the Germanic peoples of the Iron Age and early Middle Ages. In an attempt to reconstruct these past belief systems, Heavenry uses surviving historical, archaeological and folkloric evidence as a basis over approaches to this material vary considerably. Heavenry does not have a unified theology, but is typically polytheistic, centering on a pantheon of deities from pre-Christian Germanic Europe. It adopts cosmological views from these past societies, including an animistic view of the cosmos in which the natural world is imbued with spirits. The religion's deities and spirits are honored in sacrificial rites, known as bloods, in which food and libations are offered to them. These are often accompanied by symbol, the act of ceremonially toasting to gods with an alcoholic beverage. Some practitioners also engage in rituals designed to induce an altered state of consciousness and visions, most notably Seydar and Galdar with the intent of gaining wisdom and advice from the deities. Many solitary practitioners follow the religion by themselves. Other heavens assemble in small groups, usually known as kindreds or hearths, to perform their rites outdoors or in specially constructed buildings. Heaven ethical systems emphasize honor, personal integrity and loyalty while beliefs about an afterlife vary and are rarely emphasized. While the term heavenry is used widely to describe the religion as a whole, many groups prefer different designation, influenced by their regional focus and ideological preferences. Heavens focusing on Scandinavian sources sometimes use Asatru, Vanatru, or Fawn said. Practitioners focusing on Anglo-Saxon traditions use Firnsidu or Theodism, 
those emphasizing German traditions use Irminism. And in conclusion, the 19th century German composer Richard Wagner's Der Ring des Nibelungen Opera Cycle features Freya, the goddess Freya combined with the apple-bearing goddess Idun. Der Ring des Nibelungen, the Ring of the Nibelung, is a cycle of four German-language epic music dramas. The works are based loosely on characters from Germanic heroic legend, namely Norse legendary sagas and the Nibelungenli. The composer termed the cycle a Bühnenfestspiel, the stage festival play in English, structured in three days, preceded by a Voraband, preliminary evening. It is often referred to as the Ring Cycle, Wagner's Ring, or simply the Ring. Wagner wrote the libretto and music over the course of about 26 years, from 1848 to 1874. The four parts that constitute the Ring Cycle are in sequence Das Reine Gold, Die Valkure, Siegfried, and Gotha Dameron. The Rhine Gold, the Valkyrie, Siegfried, and the Twilight of the Gods. I hope that knowing Freya will bring you love, health, strength, and abundance. And may the goddess of love, Freya, the harmony, peace, logic, wisdom, strength, beauty, all the angels, all the saints, all the love and light, all the flowers, trees, birds, stars and oceans of love and light throughout the whole universe, bless, protect and guide you and all your loved ones. And may you experience love making wholeheartedly body and soul. On behalf of Hoya, I send you lots of soft and delicately perfumed lotus flower, geranium, peonies, lilies of the valley, orchids, roses, frangipani and tiare flower kisses and smiles. Have a magical day or night. Magical is a word that I created with magic and cool because this is how I like to spend my day magically thank you for your presence your love, your time and beautiful energy once again and until my next episode from the center of my heart Namaste Namaste